From the DuckDuckGo for Privacy Studio, this is News Talk A3O. WCCO. The following program is sponsored by Wealth Enhancement Group. All opinions or statements expressed on this program are solely those of Wealth Enhancement Group or its guests and do not reflect the opinions of News Talk A3O and Odyssey, Inc. Advisory services offered through Wealth Enhancement Advisory Services, LLC. A registered investment advisor. Certain but not all investment advisor representatives at Wealth Enhancement Advisory Services are also registered representatives of and offer securities through LPL Financial Member FINRA, SIPC, Wealth Enhancement Group, and Wealth Enhancement Advisory Services are separate entities from LPL. Wealth Enhancement Group is a registered trademark of Wealth Enhancement Group, LLC. Sound strategies to make sense of your financial life. Answers to everyday questions pertaining to your money. Brought to you by Wealth Enhancement Group. Helping you to plan and invest with confidence and clarity. After all, it's your money. Rashini Rajkumar here. You are listening to Your Money on WCCO Radio with hosts Bruce and Peg. On this Independence Day, we're going to talk about financial independence. Bruce and Peg offer some tips to take control of your money. You can text and call us today with your questions on the studio line, 651-989-9226. All week, you can ask your questions of Peg and Bruce at 888-6-ADVICE or email them at your money at wealthenhancement.com. Here's Senior Vice President, Financial Advisor Peg Webb, and the founder of Wealth Enhancement Group, Financial Advisor Bruce Helmer. Happy Fourth of July, you two. Uh, happy Fourth of July to everyone out there today. What a great day. Uh, thanks, Rashini. Happy Fourth to you and Peg, to you and to all of our listeners. And, and again, while you're out there picnicking and uh and celebrating and watching fireworks. Remember, you know what we're really celebrating. It's the birthday of our country in our uh, in our independence. And uh, probably apropos, our topic today is talking about financial independence. And Peg, I, you know, last week we talked about you know, the wisdom and, and and wisdom versus knowledge. And we talk a lot on this show about a happy retirement, a retirement with the lifestyle that we want without running out of money. And that's really, I mean, that is, that's what we're talking about when we talk about financial independence. You know, a lot of my clients, and and we've talked about this some on the show, but I think we could talk about it even more than we do. When we talk about retirement, that does not always mean they don't work at all. They might work less or they might take on some sort of a job that gives them intrinsic reward. But retirement, I guess, to me means having financial independence, having the economic wherewithal to do what you want to do without having to worry about running out of money. So th- this topic, and it's you know a little bit of a play on words, but it's really, it's, it's inclusive of almost all the financial planning, all the financial strategies that we talk about. So if we were, if we were really going to try to shove everything into strategies for financial independence, I mean, it would be hours and hours and hours we're gonna we're gonna skinny it down a little bit to some key things that, that that people can do to help them get to where they want to be financially. Yeah, and Bruce, um, that's a great lead-in to the topic today. And I think you mentioned it in kind of a roundabout way. There's money can be stressful, and um, so when we talk about this today, this financial independence, I often think of all the people out there that are are, you know, they're giving their all, right? They're, they're putting a great effort into trying to be financial independent, but they get all these torpedoes thrown at them. But so today we just want to give some tips as to how can you get 
to be financially independent or how can you stay financially independent? So the first one is getting rid of bad debt. So we often talk on this show about debt and it either being good debt or bad debt. So when I think about good debt, I think about it as a potential to increase your net worth. So if you think about it that way, that means, so if you buy an asset and you borrow money so that you have the ability to buy it and you make monthly payments, having an asset-backed loan is what I would define as good debt. And then if you want to educate yourself and and further, you know, your prospects for having a great career, education costs money and you may take on a loan or starting a business. All of those are good debt. But then let's talk about the ugly one, the bad debt. This is where you might go and borrow money for a rapidly depreciating asset, and that's not good. Or there is no value, really. So you see that um, favorite outfit that you want for today on Independence Day. You know, it's probably good for the one day, and it's worth nothing, and you put it on your credit card. You know, so that's bad. So Wealth Enhancement Group believes that you should understand debt, good and bad. We actually, Bruce, did a show about a month ago. I had Nicole Webb on, and we did a show, an episode on debt. And uh, you can actually listen to that on wealthenhancement.com backslash your money. And I encourage listeners to go back and listen to that because we did a deep dive on uh, good debt, bad debt. Yeah, I just want to add, you know, and, and that's a that's a great um, explanation in, in a in a you know a brief amount of time. But you know, we started with get rid of bad debt. I guess you know even before that, ideally, in a perfect world, you don't get bad debt in the first place. You have the discipline, you know, to, to not buy things that you can't afford. But recognizing the fact that for a lot of people, that ship is has already sailed. How do we then go after and get rid of this bad debt? And the other thing I want to mention, Peg, and, and, and I've kind of, you know, taken to your way of thinking. I think years ago, not that we were in uh, extreme disagreement, but I always talked about the idea that, you know, I thought good debt, there was no uh, hurry to pay off good debt, there, that we would want to eliminate bad debt as quickly as we can, but don't worry about good debt. And you kind of taught me, you said, well, Bruce, yeah, you know, that might be true. But as I look at my most successful clients or my financially independent clients, they don't have debt at all. They've gotten rid of all of their debt. So I think to really achieve true financial independence, not only do we want to get rid of that onerous debt, that bad debt, um, but maybe we do want to get rid of all debt. Maybe that buys us a lot of independence or financial freedom. And again, it's not going to happen overnight. You have to have a, you know, a strategy of how you're going to do that. But I think it's an admirable goal. And I think if you have no debt, that certainly is a, is a big step in the right direction to achieving and maintaining financial independence. Yeah. And I think too, Bruce, it takes a certain person, right? So even if you go pay off even your good debt, uh, our clients have this trait of saving. So instead of just going out and putting a brand new deck on or getting that new car that maybe they didn't need, they put at least a percentage of the money that they would have otherwise paid on a payment for that debt 
into savings. And and historically, you know, the markets have treated us well. So just by dollar cost averaging in every year, you know, so there's there's what I would say, there's actually a, a game plan. There's actually a financial plan. These people have that kind of discipline. But I don't want you to not listen to the rest of the show because you feel like you don't have those traits because there are things that you can do. You can build a budget. You can um, work with somebody to try to uh, consolidate your account. So what we find, Bruce, is sometimes when people come into us, they have all sorts of accounts all over the place. And, um, and some they don't even know about. So when we start doing a deep dive and asking them to pull all their documents together, they're like, voila, I just found some money that I didn't even have. And then when we're doing this deeper dive, and you can do it yourself out there, you can do a consolidation, get all your accounts, look at how many fees you're paying to the banking institutions or, you know, the credit card companies. And maybe you have five cards, but you only use them occasionally, but they all charge you a hundred bucks a year. I mean, that's real money. And so Bruce, I think having all these multiple accounts um, is, it it can be confusing. And so the tip I want to give is to be organized. If you're organized, I see that as a trait of, of, uh, of just getting closer to success when it comes to money. But it's easier said than done. Um, I'm well aware of a stat that only 10% of us are born with this kind of organization uh, gene where we're able to create systems and maintain them. So it is, it's not a natural thing for people, and they, they kind of struggle. So that's actually why some of them come to Wealth Enhancement Group because we're so organized and, and create that kind of format for them that they can follow once we have it uh, once we have it set up. You know, I, it's interesting. I didn't know that you know exactly where you were going to go with that, but I like it a lot. And I will raise my hand and use myself as an example and say I am not a naturally organized person. I'm not in, instinctively organized now. I've gotten better over the years, and I've learned the importance of, you know, having to-do lists and, 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 you know, trying to be more organized. But the truth is, is that I have people around me that help keep me organized. So, yeah, if you can do it yourself, that's great. But if you can't, that's a good reason maybe that you want to engage a financial advisor. And I know we talk about that all the time on the show, but you and I both believe in the value of a good financial advisor. And that's just maybe another reason is to – to help you keep, uh, help you stay organized and help you be accountable to your to yourself. The other thing, you know, when you talked about uh, in- integrating or people have all these accounts and sometimes they don't even know, I've experienced that also, Peg. But also, I wanted to add, sometimes they do know about all these accounts, but they think it's a good thing. People tell me, well, I know I'm supposed to be well diversified, so I've got these eight different IRAs, so I'm diversifying. But, but just because you have eight different accounts doesn't mean you're diversified. Then we dig a little deeper, and I'm like, but all eight of these accounts are like uh, large-cap domestic growth uh, funds. They're all sort of the same thing eight times. That's not diversified. In fact, that's, that's um, being poorly diversified. You might be able to have one account and actually be better diversified in one account if you have multiple asset classes and not just one. So... I talk to people about integration and coordination, and sometimes what happens is 
they, you're right. They, they're not aware of all the things they have because they buy different things at different points of their life, and they just sort of accumulate them. And I'm not even saying it was a bad idea. Everything they bought might have been a good idea at the time they bought it, but now X number of years have gone by, and they've got this hodgepodge or this mishmash of stuff. And, and how does it make sense in the big picture in terms of their goals and objectives and their core values and what they're trying to achieve? Maybe it still fits. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe we eliminate some of these things. Or like you said, maybe a lot of these things can be consolidated to be more efficient. But it's a, I, I see it as a combination. Sometimes people don't know what they've got and they've forgotten. But I, I also see sometimes people do it on purpose because they think it's a good idea. And it might not be a good idea. Yeah, and and I think another reason uh, people uh, aren't financially independent or it's hard to stay financially independent is because not everybody can have a vision of the future, right? They're just living day to day, and sometimes it's not their fault, right? They don't have enough coming in, and boy, do I feel for families today because, um, you know, with the with the – well, not – this was even before the pandemic, but you know the wage, the 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 wages people have, and the um, they're both working, and you know they've got the mortgage, and and it's just hard to save. I feel like it's so much more motivating if you have a goal and you have this vision of where you're headed. Uh, it it doesn't come natural to people. So when we say, "Hey, when do you want to retire?" they look at me like. Well, I I don't know. Um, do you think I'm ready? I mean, but do do you not have a plan? Like, do you want it to be five years from now? Do you want it to be ten years from now? Um, you know, when does your significant other want to retire? Those are the kinds of questions we ask. But I, this is just personal. If I don't have that vision of where I'm headed, I'm not as motivated to take these steps to either stay financially independent or get there. You know, that's a great point. You know, the, the vision and, and, you know, again, we coach people to, to think about these things, ask themselves, when do you want to retire? What does your lifestyle look like when you retire? When are you going to draw Social Security? How much money are you going to need? And sometimes you get this deer in the head like blank stare, but other times you get people that actually have thought about these things and do have goals in mind, and I think that makes our job easier. And then we help them determine, is that realistic or not? And if it is, how do we get there? But sometimes we have to go back even further and help them to develop uh, goals. Rashini, I, I understand we have a bunch of texts already. Maybe we want to take a couple, and then we can uh, maybe maybe uh, answering these texts will cover some of the things Peg and I were going to cover anyway. Yeah, Bruce, lots of great information from you and Peg. People can call and text us today for the rest of the hour, 651-989-9226. And you can already hear the expertise flowing from Peg and Bruce, and they'll answer your questions. One person, what, a follow-up question, Peg, to your description about good and bad debt, uh, because they're wondering, well, sometimes it's just nice to have a splurge. So a little more advice they want for the bad debt part. Yeah, I think, you know, so I, I love the word splurge, uh, personally, uh, because, <laughs> because sometimes you have to treat yourself, right? Sometimes you do. And maybe it is a bigger item that you put on a credit card and you know that it's more expensive. But I would say, you know, that's okay if you have a plan 
you know, to pay it off. And maybe you did the math and said, hey, I'm not going to just pay the minimum. I'm going to pay a little bit more, you know, per month. And by this uh, time frame, it's going to be all paid off. That's okay. I think, you know, life is hard enough that, that you should throw in a couple uh, splurges. But then to have a plan and a, and a calculated plan of how to get rid of that bad debt sooner than later. Yeah, I agree with that. You know, again, I've, I've never been, I've told the story many times on a, on a TV segment one time, the TV person um, leaned over and like, I don't want someone like you telling me I can't go on a nice vacation or I can't go to a nice restaurant. And I said, you know, that's not what this is about. Um, Peg and I both have fun. We don't, you know, we, we, we believe in vacation. We believe in depressurizing. Peg loves to play golf. Peg works a lot and works really hard, but she but she has time, you know, to for, to play also. And she's talked on the show a lot about her enjoyment of shopping. So she likes the word splurge. So we're not against having fun along the way. I don't think it's an either or. I think sometimes people think they either have to squirrel away all their money and live like misers to be financially independent, um, or or they can choose to have fun, but they can't do both. And Peg, I think we think you can do both. You just have to plan properly. Yeah, there's no question. And it does take discipline, though. It it takes that extra gene that that um, maybe isn't uh, prevalent every day, but you're just going to have to pull it out and, and, and rationalize. And then if you need help, get help. You know, if you start to get uh, overwhelmed with not being able to pay it off and having high credit cards, et cetera. All right, Bruce, this person wondering about advisory fees if they were to hire Wealth Enhancement Group. Yeah, so, and Peg, you might want to jump in also. I'll talk about what we do at Wealth Enhancement Group, but I'll also talk a little bit about the industry in general. So I think one of the reasons that people sometimes don't want to engage a financial advisor is the cost or the perceived cost. And, and they, they do a cost-benefit analysis in their own mind, and they think the advisor can't justify the cost. And to all those people, I say, give it a try, and if over a reasonable period of time you don't think you're better off net of cost with the advisor than without, then fire them. You should. I tell people all the time, if I don't deliver, you should fire me. That's what I would do. And I knock on wood as I say this out loud. We, I don't get fired very often. None of the advisors at Wealth Enhancement Group do. Our client retention rate is very, very, very high. So our fee on average, and recognize that this can vary a little bit, but on average, the way we get compensated is a fee for assets under management. There's other ways that we can charge also. I'm not going to, in the interest of time, I won't go into those. Far and away, the most prevalent is that people invest with us, and then they pay a fee for assets under management. Our average fee and sometimes it can be a little bit more, sometimes it can be a little bit less, but I believe our corporate national average fee is about one-tenth of 1% every month. So if you invested $100,000, we don't take anything off the top. A lot of places do. A lot of places charge a fee up front. We don't, but at the end of the month, we would look at the value of your account, and if it's still $100,000, we would take $100 or, or one-tenth of 1%. So annually, on average, it comes out to about 1.2%. And if you looked at that and compared it 
to other money managers across the country, I think you'd find that's competitive. And you don't also you don't generally pay for trades and transactions. But the difference is, if you compare that fee to other money managers, it's competitive. But most of those other money managers, all you're getting is money management. You're not getting strategic ideas, financial planning, tax reduction strategies, Roth conversion analysis, Social Security analysis, pension analysis, and so forth and so on. So we believe we offer way more bang for the buck. But at the end of the day, however you pay your advisor, the advisor should be able to demonstrate to you that they've added value net of whatever they're charging you. And if you don't see it, you should fire them. Peg, I know you want to add. We've got just a little bit of time left. Yeah, I see that. And and I think the most important thing is setting expectations up front. Because how can you measure a value if you don't have the expectations all laid out? What is it that you'd like to get from the advisory firm? And then once they describe what they have to deliver, is that something that you're willing to pay for? And um, some people are and some people aren't. And then when you start that relationship, sometimes they figure out that, oh, my gosh, I wish I would have done this earlier. Or, hey, that, you know, that doesn't work for me. I'm going to go back and do um, what I used to do. Most of the time, though, if you set these expectations up front, that's where our retention is so high. It actually is a match. What they are looking for, we're able to provide. And lastly, I'll just say, that uh, we're so detailed, so we do kind of tend to get very detailed people that are looking for comprehensive advice, and so setting those expectations up front are key, I think. All right. Reminding you of the number to call Peg and Bruce today on your money, 651-989-9226. As we celebrate Independence Day, Peg and Bruce wants you to learn about and then celebrate your financial independence. So more questions on your money when we come back from break. We are back on Your Money. Rashini Rajkumar with you along with your hosts, Peg and Bruce. We're talking about financial independence today. You can get your questions answered live by calling or texting us, 651-989-9226. And Bruce, I know we have a lot of great topics you're covering today to help people. Hey, ladies, I wanted to ask quickly, are you doing anything with friends and family and loved ones to celebrate Independence Day today? Oh, yeah. I'm going to definitely have a picnic and eat ribs and um, talk smart with all my friends. (laughs) (laughs) And, and, yeah, I'm just so delighted. You know, we've all been pent up, you know, with the pandemic and and just to see people, I live across from a park, and just to see people just enjoying, uh, it's a happy day. And and to think all the way back to 1776 with this independence, when you think about it today, it's I just feel so fortunate. And actually, I just kind of got goosebumps when I was talking about it. It's it's a uh, it's a great day for families to celebrate. Yeah, it's so true, Peg, and and just to be grateful to be in this country. Bruce, I've been celebrating since Friday night. We went out on the boat with some friends. Last night we went to dinner with my mother. And today just uh, the two of us, the hubby and I and the dog, are going to kind of enjoy the 4th of July 
and uh, maybe get in some exercise and some good food, as Peg is pointing out. <laughs> good. Yeah, I, I need to do the exercise part, too. I'm headed to my elliptical when the show's over, and then I'm going to have uh, uh, fun the rest of the day. Hey, um, I'm glad you both uh, uh, have plans. And, I'm, and uh, Peg, I love what you said about recognizing how fortunate and how blessed we are to, to live in this country. So we, uh, America's independence, financial independence, we talked in the first half of the show about not having bad debt, or if you have it, get rid of it, and even get rid of all debt if you can. That'll help lead to financial success or independence, if you will. Uh, we talked about consolidating uh, accounts and being efficient and minimizing fees and costs and knowing what you have. We talked about vision, knowing what you want. When do you want to retire? What does it look like? Where do you live? How much is it going to take to live the way you want? If you haven't thought about those things, you need to. You need to have a vision. You need to have a plan. And we, we touched a little bit on, you know, the, the importance of an advisor, and we touched a little bit on um, having knowledge and, and doing some homework, doing some research, reading some books and so forth. But maybe we want to just elaborate a little bit on that peg before we go back and let listeners drive the rest of the show. Yeah, we uh, talked last week about uh, financial wisdom and knowledge and, and sometimes maybe being overconfident and how we have so many choices in life. Uh, but wisdom, to me, in this context, is staying informed. So um, it, it's, it's important to be informed and current. And I think people who love to read have a huge advantage over people that do not. Um, but secondly, I would say, and I'm going to put a little plug here, is some people are better listeners, like on podcasts and, and instead of sitting down and, and reading a book. So we also mentioned that Wealth Enhancement Group's radio shows are um, – are on our website. And so if you go to wealthenhancement.com backslash your money, you actually can just go there and look at the topics and then you can actually download them to your um, iPhone or whatever when you go on your walks or like Bruce is going to be on his elliptical. Uh, it's a great time to, to stay informed. And also Bruce Helmer has a book and we don't talk about it often, but it's timeless. And it's called Real Wealth, and it's how to make smart money choices for what matters to you most. And I think it's really appropriate today, Bruce, to just mention your book again, because I find it, it, was, a, it was an easy read. It was uh, fun to, to hear your real-life stories about how people take care of debt, and you've got a section on there about you know financial independence. But I would say... The whole book is about financial independence because as you go through the chapters, it, it's giving people tips on how, how do you make the right choices in life and, um, and be in control of your own success. Well, thanks for mentioning that, Peg. I appreciate that, and I didn't know you were going to do that. Um, but I am proud of it, and I tried to write it in such a way that it would be evergreen Knowing the tax laws change and, and public policy changes and, you know, that you could write a book and it'd be obsolete before it goes to print if you're not careful. I tried to write it in such a way that with generic concepts that will always be true um, rather than, you know, get too specific on things that could change. So, yeah, I, I think it still stands up today, but I like what you said also about being current and getting podcasts and 
and reading current articles and things that, that are up to date. And Wealth Enhancement Group has a mountain of that type of information as well. And, and you just have to be careful where you get your knowledge because you have to ask yourself, does the person you know, conveying this information have an ulterior motive? Now, you could argue that Wealth Enhancement Group does also. You could argue that we're trying to gain clients, and that's true, but we don't hide that fact. We tell everybody, look, we want to share information that's hopefully helpful to you, but if you never are a client, we'll still share this data and this information. But, yes, we wouldn't mind if we made a favorable impression on you and you said, you know, they, they've made a compelling case about a financial advisor, and maybe they're good. Maybe I'll give them a call and consider them. So if there's an ulterior motive, we we don't hide that fact. We talk about it. So And then maybe again, uh, before we go back to, to listeners, do you want to mention – Again, we talked briefly about advisors helping gain financial independence. Anything else you want to say on that? Or are you ready to go to listeners? I got one point there, and I feel like a good advisor will educate you about all sorts of facets of your life and give you tips uh, that has nothing to do with buying a product or investing your money. I feel like a good a good advisor is going to ask you lots of questions and you need to be open to sharing, you know, um, details about yourself. And that way that advisor can indeed help you with lots of things um, that surround your life, like financial independence. And then you finally get to implementing a plan with the products or the investments, because if you don't know all of that about the person up front, how do you know what's going to fit their, uh, you know, their financial plan until you uh, ask all those questions and, and head them down the right path? That's a great point. And, and we've all heard these commercials. Somebody's trying to sell this or that or the TV shows on cable, the financial things, and here's the hot buy right now. And how do they know that that's an appropriate strategy for their viewer or their listener? I mean, it's just it's crazy to me. Our, our advice all advice, but all, including our investment advice, is mostly driven by the circumstances of the client. What are their core values? What's important to them? What are their goals and objectives? And, when, and then once we know those things, the advice gets to be a lot easier because we can focus on hitting those targets or hitting those goals. And Peggy said it in the first half of the show, mutually setting expectations of what you can expect from the other, what the client can expect from the advisor, and what the advisor needs from the client to help them achieve success. So, okay, so good stuff. Rashini, let's let listeners take us home. All right, and remind people, you can call or text us at 651-989-9226. This listener says, good morning, happy 4th. What do people do for health, dental, prescription, and vision insurance in Minnesota if you retire at age 62 until you're eligible for Medicare? Hey, Rashini, this texture has a great question because that bridging that gap, if you retire before 65 or, or before you're eligible for Medicare, that's, that's for many people the biggest hurdle to overcome where they would otherwise retire and maybe they don't because they're not sure how to bridge that health insurance gap until they're Medicare eligible. Peg, what would you say? Well, this is a big deal. So if uh, we, we've we seen a kind of a flurry of, of 60, early 60-somethings 60 retire. So this is, uh, 
very current in my mind because we look at what they have as far as this COBRA. This is the continuing health care coverage through your employer for 18 months um, after you retire. And I, 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 I'm just I'm shocked with how much the COBRA is. I had a recent couple where it's uh, 43000 a year that we had to input in the plan for the COBRA. So what we suggested was to go uh, talk to an independent agent who covers just healthcare. So the, these are experts who know the healthcare industry. And then your actual um, health matters a lot in the pricing and where this agent might send you as far as uh, coverage. You can uh, have a high deductible plan and depending on your health, that might be the best way to gap, you know, those couple years. Or if you do have some health concerns, maybe you have to go with a traditional, but you have to do a lot of homework. And, and yes, Wealth Enhancement Group uh, sends our clients out to an expert. That's one, uh, one uh, piece of the roundtable that we don't have um, on staff, but it's such a complex uh complex area of financial planning that we want to steer our client in the right direction. So that's my advice. Yeah, I just want to pick up on what you said, Peg, and I agree with everything you said. But, yeah, so we outsource that to a strategic partner that we trust, that we know will do a good job for our clients. Um, but I also wanted to add, you know, I, I, this is this is really an individual uh, decision. There's no one-size-fits-all generic answer we can give here. So if you're retiring and you're not yet eligible for Medicare and you look at what the cost is, sometimes people say, oh my gosh, the cost is overwhelming. I'm going to have to work until I'm 65 and I can go on Medicare. But, but hold that thought. That may not be true. So part of the um, Affordable Care Act, or what a lot of people call Obamacare, Part of that act is is that you can get uh, tax credits or financial help paying for your health insurance um, based on your income. So one of the things that we help our clients do as financial advisors is, is there a way to, to manipulate downward the amount of taxable income that you report so that you may be eligible for tax credits to offset that cost? And when you factor that in, it may be affordable. It may not be as bad as you thought. I, I've lost track of how many times I've been able to help clients do that. So that's bridging the gap until you're Medicare eligible. And then once you are eligible for Medicare and you're 65, and, and if and people wouldn't know this, Peg, unless you're a financial advisor or unless you're 65, Medicare is really four parts, A, B, C, and D. A is broad hospitalization. That's free. There's no reason not to you know apply for that. It doesn't cost anything. Part B, which is basically your health insurance, um, there is a cost based upon your income, uh, but that cost for most people is a lot less than private insurance, but it doesn't cover everything. Medicare covers probably about 80% of your potential costs. So Part C is optional, and that's private insurance, a, a so-called Medicare supplement or, or Medigap policy or Medi Medicare Advantage and most of our clients, I would say, get that. And then part D is prescription drugs. And that's going to, again, vary from client to client. So there's this issue. It's a great question of before I'm eligible for Medicare, how do I bridge the gap? And then when I am eligible for Medicare, 
what do I take, what do I not take, and what is the cost going to be there? Because, again, Medicare is probably cheaper than what you're used to, but it's not free. All right. More really good questions coming in today. People can call and text us 651-989-9226. This listener says, I'm 56 years old. Should I be getting rid of my aggressive mutual funds to safer funds? And the same for my annuity and 401k mutual funds. Great question, Peg. I know you want to take the ball and run with this one. Yeah, 56 is so young. Um, you, you, you could possibly have, you know, 50 years of time for all we know with all the innovations that they're coming out with and keeping us uh, ageless. And, uh, well, I, I, I hate to hear get rid of, and it was kind of get rid of everything and go from aggressive, which that definition of aggressive is different for different people, and then go into um, more moderate. <clears throat> so, I would say you have to do the analysis that Wealth Enhancement Group does when you first come visit us. We take your pile, if you will. We look at and we plug it into what's called the Your Money Matrix. And the Your Money Matrix, everyone who listens to the show frequently is going to know a little bit about what I'm talking about. But we dissect all your statements and your holdings into this year money matrix by way of how the assets are taxed. They're either taxable currently, tax deferred, IOU to the IRS, you haven't paid anything on them yet, tax advantaged, um, like tax-free bonds, municipal bonds, something like that, or a Roth IRA. Then we start to dissect them as to risk. Are they short-term, long-term, you know, medium-term? They're either bonds, they pay dividends, or they're stocks that are a long-term investment. And picture now that we've filled out this matrix, uh, and then we talk about your goals and your financial visions and, and when do you want to retire. And then we say, oh, are you in the right mix? So if you're 56 years old, I've got to believe that you've got some long-term money. And when you define that as aggressive, I don't know if that means that you've bought one stock over your lifetime, you know, um, maybe Apple, you know, we've, uh, we all have heard of that company and you feel like I'm sitting very aggressively now because I'm concentrated and I need to diversify. I would say absolutely you need to diversify at 56 years old or anyone needs to diversify. But that would be the exercise, Bruce, that I would walk through. Uh, and I, I wouldn't just make this blanket statement. I want to get uh, less aggressive. It has to be what's the reasoning around it. Yep, and you are a thousand percent right, and I totally agree with every word, but for listeners that might still not have clarity, let me try just a real brief, oversimplified example. In the real world, it's probably not this easy, but maybe this will help make big my point. So the texter said they're 56. Should they get more conservative? If this is money in an IRA or a 401k that you plan to need, you're going to retire in four years, you're going to retire at 60, and you're going to start to draw down on the money, now you've got a four-year time horizon. I would say that's relatively short-term money that it should be fairly conservative. Maybe not just cash, but certainly not all in stocks. You, 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 need, you want some options, probably some cash, some bonds, some stocks. But it's, if it's a four-year time horizon, you need to be pretty conservative with that money because stock markets sometimes go down and they stay down for a long time. And it might be four years 
and you don't want to have a lot, you know, you don't want to have that money someplace where it can go down and be less valuable when you need it. But if you, if that same money, you're 56 and it's in an IRA and you say, I'm not going to touch that money. In fact, I would never spend my IRA if the government didn't make me spend it at age 72. I'm never going to need it. Then I would say that's long-term money, and you want to probably have it all in stocks, and and you do want to have it aggressive. So it all gets back to time horizon as to when you're going to spend that money. And to Peg and I, that's the primary uh, uh, influencer of what we're going to recommend on how aggressive or how conservative your investment portfolio should be. Time horizon is the single most important factor. All right, let's keep going. We have lots of texts and very little time. We have two small life insurance policies that we might cash in, both under 10000 Both were taken out 30-plus years ago. What are the factors to consider to minimize taxes or penalties? Peg? Yeah, so if you took them out 30 years ago, you probably don't have any penalties or back-end charges. But what you're going to want to do is ask the insurance company what your cost basis is in the plan. So if you have 10000 in two different policies, let's say, for a total of 20000 each company would be able to recite to you what's your basis. An example is, let's say it's $6,000 that you had originally put in and then less the cost of the insurance. Maybe you only have a $2,000 basis, so then $8,000 would be taxable in the year that you cash out those policies. So call the insurance companies and ask them that question, and they will be able to rattle that off. Yeah, and Rashini, I'm trying to be fast, but what we do at Wealth Enhancement Group, we actually have clients get an in-force illustration, and then we look at the health of the policy, but it starts with the, with your goal or objective. So in other words, if you want that life insurance death benefit as a legacy asset for a loved one, you'd keep the policy in force and you wouldn't cash it. If you don't need it as a legacy asset and you want that money for your lifestyle, then you might cash it in and then we can help you determine what the most efficient way to do that is or what the tax consequences are. But the question I get a lot, Peg and Rashini, is I've got this old policy. I don't really need it anymore. Should I keep it or should I cash it in? And that's going to be driven by your goals and objectives. All right, Bruce, we might be able to get this one in. What are your thoughts on index universal life life insurance products, especially with a floor and a ceiling? Are they considered risky? They seem like a great alternative to a Roth as they both offer death death benefit and retirement income tax-free. Yeah, a lot of the answer is in the question. Peg, really quickly, we got about less than a minute. Index life insurance. Yeah, so life insurance in general, this is just a way to buy life insurance and how you get your credits or your um, value uh, to increase over time. Uh, I, I think indexes are, these products are very complicated. What I would suggest is that you fully understand them before you commit to them. And then just right. indexing in general really quick. We, we do like passive or index type funds and low cost. But it's more complicated than that. But but the word index itself is not a bad thing. 
Right, and lots of details, so just the reason to get in touch with Peg and Bruce. You can call them during the week, 888-6ADVICE, or email your money at wealthenhancement.com. Another great show, lots of great information, Peg and Bruce. Happy Independence Day to you both. Happy Independence Day to all of our listeners out there. We'll be back next Sunday, same time, same place. The previous program was sponsored by Wealth Enhancement Group. All opinions or statements expressed on this program are solely those of Wealth Enhancement Group or its guests and do not reflect the opinions of News Talk 830 and Odyssey, Inc.